Hello and welcome to the Business of Show Business podcast with me, your host, Jamie Boddy, unpacking the skills needed for the entertainment and creative industries and celebrating those already in them. This is episode two of season three and today I am joined by the fantastic Raffaella Covino. She is an absolute superstar and such a lovely individual. As a performer who runs a triple award within mental health and wellbeing organisation, applause for thought, we discuss mental health in the arts, triggers and coping mechanisms, and how it's okay to work on yourself. Self-love is not selfish. I myself have trained through Applause for Thought to be an adult mental health first aider, so I can speak firsthand about how amazing they are. So let's get on with the show. On the Business of Show Business podcast today, I am delighted to be joined by Raffaella Covino, an actress with a passion for mental health in the arts. She is the founder and director of the triple award-winning organisation Applause for Thought. Applause for Thought provide free and low-cost mental health support, talks, workshops, wellbeing schemes, consultancy and accredited mental health courses for those who work in the arts and entertainment industry. How are you today, Raffaella? Hello, Jamie. Um, I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm good. Does it feel weird to kind of have your achievements read back to you? Because I think as performers, we often don't take a moment to be like, oh, look how far I've come. It's, um, I think every performer might feel the same, but I particularly feel very strange when I hear my kind of life um, be read like before me. Um, but I think it's really important. I think in this day and age when we're constantly looking for the next credit or the next job or the next things to achieve to actually just take stock of what's come before. So, yeah. And I think what we'll get into it as well. But the thing about you've built up two amazing parallel careers, your on stage career and this with applause for thought. And I said off air, but I'll repeat it. But prepping for this session, I was so amazed that just everything you've done and obviously I don't know you that well yet but I just want to be like oh if you were like my good friend I'd want to like take you out for like wine or just to applaud you when I saw you because you've achieved so much oh that is so unbelievably kind thank you no worries so let's jump straight in with applause for thought which you just had your recently had your second birthday so happy birthday thank you thank you yeah we celebrated our second birthday on the 3rd of February um it's flown by amazing and I think more than ever because of obviously the dreaded C word, COVID, I think performers have had to stop. There's no stage or no audience for us, although now we have a digital audience, which is fab, but with everyone's had to stop, whether you're on stage, behind the stage, you build the stage, whatever avenue of the creative arts, you've had to stop and look at yourself. So I think more now than ever, how important mental health is. So can you talk to us about the journey with Applause for Thought and what what was that kind of, what was the seed that then blossomed into this amazing award-winning company? Oh, yeah. Um, so I think for me, I'd always been kind of in tune with the mental health triggers that are in the arts industry that I've always thought were kind of undervalued and underspoken about. Um, and most certainly I feel like uh, through a lot of our training, we're kind of taught that the industry is going to be hard and that we need to be confident and we need to be strong. And these two words really stuck with me. And I just thought, but who along the way is showing us how to be confident and how to be strong? Um, some of us don't have that natural disposition or um, haven't had the upbringing or the opportunities to learn those skills. So that's that had always been kind of at the back of my brain. Um, and then actually prior, I had no prior mental health um 
history or mental illness history. Um, but at the end of 2017, after four really kind of um, successful, quote unquote, um, years in the industry, I found myself having um, a breakdown and I was diagnosed with two mental health disorders. Um, and that kind of prompted me to take 2018 out of the industry so that I could navigate my own recovery. I knew that I couldn't navigate it while still being in an industry that was triggering them. And I think when I was about six months into my kind of therapy journey, um, I just had this idea that it, it turned from an idea to kind of an overwhelming passion that I had to create a platform um, to try and change this. But I definitely, I don't have a natural business brain, which I'm sure we'll <laughs> go into a little bit later in the in the podcast. I only got my first laptop this year, just to give you a slight kind of scale. I ran a pause for thought, I ran a pause for thought from a seven-year-old iPad and my notebook. So um, I'm not technologically brained, but um, I never thought it would turn into what, what it is now. I just, I just knew I had to do something um to try and change it so that's how applause for thought was born really amazing so if you're listening in real time it is march 2021 and she only got a new laptop this year ladies and gents so that's amazing but i think that's a testament to you as a creative and how passionate you are about this um that you you just made it work you found those solutions you didn't let the problems of starting the business hinder you and i think as performers we understand that we may or may not get an audition, but we sometimes don't look at it as a business. And that's why I always try and champion. Like you can look at the data. What didn't work well? Like, was it a, a new song that you had never practiced before? Did you wear the wrong outfit? Did you psych yourself up by arriving to the audition 45 minutes early and seeing everyone else come out? And we don't look at it like that. Well, when you look at a business, you look at the results, what performed well, what demographic. And I think it's fantastic that you've learned these skills along the way. Oh, thank you. I think what really helped is that if I had sat in my bedroom and gone... I would like to create a triple award-winning organization and you know, work with producers on mental health and wellbeing schemes, I would have laughed at myself. I would have gone, that's completely not in my reach, but I've always grown a pulse for thought by believing on a really kind of core level that if I've helped one person or changed one person's mind or directed one person to therapy, then I've achieved my goal. And I think if we can translate that idea into our performing careers as well, we're just going to have a healthier time rather than going, I've got to get into a West End show, you know, is like the end goal. And rather than focusing on the small steps in between that kind of lead us up to that, before you know it, you've got a career, before you know it, you've um, achieved things you never thought you would. Um, we just need to play the long game more, I think, um, when we're talking about business and the arts. Yes, no, and I love that. And I think sometimes when we have that moment in our career, when you are smashing it and you're like, oh my God, actually it's because we had put in that hard work the months or years beforehand and we're finally seeing the results. It's not just a fluke or a luck as a lot of people say in the industry, like you were lucky to get that. And you're like, well, that was like a good couple thousand and three years worth to get <laughs> that luck. I think you're absolutely right. I kind of pre preach the same thing is that, um, of course there is an element of being grateful. Oh my goodness. And you know, I do believe in, you know, the old age old saying that luck is when preparation meets opportunity. So, of course, you can do all this preparation, but until someone or something gives you that opportunity, um, you, you can't kind of flourish. 
Um, but I do find it funny when people are, and I've done it myself, which is so unbelievably grateful to book this job. And it's like, well, I have trained my entire life in order to do it. And I've worked really hard to try and be at the top of my game. So I should probably just go, yeah, this makes sense. <laughs> no, I love that. And then again, it's giving yourself that chance to celebrate almost. Cause again, we sometimes, um, whatever type of um, industry you freelance in, it's very hard sometimes to enjoy the job you're in because you are thinking, what's next? Even if you're in like a six month contract, you're slightly thinking like, oh gosh, do I need to be seen by this person? Do I need to update my CV? So I think everything you said there was so lovely. Let's talk a bit more about the services then that Applause for Thought offer because it's not everyone has to go on to become a um, trained mental um, mental health first aider. You do you just do like awareness courses, half days, consultancy. Can you talk us a bit more about the services you offer? Absolutely. So um, I think because I said at the kind of beginning of, of the podcast that I never expected to run a business, I did not sit down and work out a business plan or work out how I was going to try and help people or or change mental health within the arts. So it's been a very make it up as I go along, take opportunities as they come sort of thing. Um, and so it's taken us a while to really consolidate exactly what we do and what we offer. But the, the thing that has always kind of um, centered applause for thought and myself is that from the moment that we started, I created an ethos and our hashtag and a mantra that is education equals prevention. I believe in across all walks of life, not just in the arts, not just with mental health, that knowledge is power um, and giving people access to that knowledge and making it accessible and affordable is the most valuable thing you can give someone. So I knew that was how I wanted to change things. And so we kind of have three different avenues, I guess. Um, we've got our first, which is where we link people to coaches and therapists and counsellors who offer discounted one-to-one sessions. Therapy can be very expensive. And so making those sessions accessible and affordable is kind of our form of support for people. Um, and then we go into colleges and schools and establishments and give mental health talks and workshops. Um, and then, of course, as you mentioned, we've got our courses. We um, are able to facilitate accredited Mental Health First Aid England courses um, for a heavily discounted cost. Again, trying to make it accessible and affordable for people to access the training. Um, and then the newest, I guess, um, and the, the section of our work that I am really excited about is this new consultancy stuff, which is getting to work with. We've worked with Cameron McIntosh. That's been announced. But we've got lots of other top producers on board as well. Um, and, and working with them really closely to create policy and mental health training and well-being schemes for their shows um, so that people have more protection when they're in work. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what we do at the moment. No, and it's all gorgeous. And I think it's it's one of those things that sadly, I think there's been over the last couple of years, there's been lots of um, repercussions due to mental health, whether that's because someone in the public eye um, sadly taking their own life or people having to take time off work or leave shows. Every avenue of employment will have someone that has suffered some form of mental health or imposter syndrome, limiting beliefs and so on. And I think it's so important what you're doing. As we said, we want to you want to build a career. And I think having the business mindset is part of it. But it's having that tenacity and resilience, isn't it, to stick through it? Because in training, which we're onto your training and um, performance wise shortly but you just look in the mirror every day don't you and even if someone doesn't give you a comparative feedback you're looking at other people anyway aren't you or you're hearing them sing or you're seeing them do more turns we kind of keep that internally quite a lot don't we absolutely you've completely hit the nail on the head and I think that um 
it's been really fascinating for lack of better word because obviously it's not um an enjoyable thing to be um to find interesting um but i do find it fascinating how many performers creatives um uh, you know even people who aren't on the stage but are in the arts um suffer from self-esteem issues and i believe i preach and preach that that looking at our self-esteem and building that kind of a higher self-esteem through our training is is just going to help so many people um, within the arts with their career and their personal life, I think. Amazing. So you started off your training at Tring Park School before going on to the London School of Music Theatre. And your CV, like considering you took a year off, like you've been in ensemble in In the Heights at Southwark Playhouse, but also swing, dance captain and understudy Nina and In the Heights at King's Cross Theatre. That's one of my favourite shows. Absolutely love it. You've been swing and understudy Mimi and Maureen in Rent UK Tour, swing and dance captain at the Old Vic's A Monsters Cool UK Tour, swing and dance captain in The Sound of Music. You've done so much. And I think, first of all, yeah, you, fabulous. Also, though, swing and dance captain, like that in itself is a whole skill set that you don't sometimes exercise until you're in that role. Yes, yes. So I I was really fortunate that at the London School of Musical Theatre, an incredible director, choreographer um, called Mark Hedges, or Wedgie, as he is um, affectionately known in the industry, um, just he was one of our dance teachers and he just, we had such a strong connection. Um, and for our uh, end of kind of year show, he made me dance captain. And that was kind of game changer for me. I was kind of looking at my peers in, 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 in my class and, you know, not to put myself down in any way, but I knew that I wasn't meant to be the star. I, I knew that I, I could dance well. I started as a dancer and I had kind of had a natural singing voice, quite poppy. And, you know, I was a relatively strong actress. So I knew that I could, I was a bit of a triple threat to some degree, but I knew I wasn't exceptional. Um, and I just thought, what are your skills? What do you love doing? And I'm just mad on organization. I love working with people. I love looking after a team. I love the thrill of going on last minute. I love learning multiple parts. And I just thought he introduced me to this kind of career option that I hadn't even really heard of properly. And it just changed everything. He kind of, yeah, introduced me to the world of being a swing and a dance captain. I was like, yeah, that's a bit of me. And I know that they're in demand. So if, if I'm happy in that role, I know that I'll work. Um, uh, if I do a good job and that's kind of kind of what happened to be honest gosh there's so much there and for those of you listening you can't see but Raffaella's face is lit up when she was talking about being a swing and dance captain which no this it, I was just sitting here like because mm, it just shows you're passionate and I think the thing I absolutely love about what you said there is the initial skills you mentioned weren't dancing in the fact of you said you like organization managing people notation it's all these things that and my listeners will probably say, stop saying this, Jamie. But one thing I always say is as performers, we quite often attach our worth to how we are in an audition room, how we are on stage, how we are in that meeting or that pitch. But actually our skills are so transferable and have so much value. And I absolutely love there that you opened with all those skills that like your soft skills or the skills you wouldn't realise that you actually learn whilst in theatre school. And as I said, your, your face lit up there because you realised what made you buzz. And then I think, did that kind of give you a bit more of a steer as well going into this industry? Because like, when you can do anything, you do nothing. So if you're just auditioning scattergun for everything, sometimes you you might get, again, mental health knockbacks because you're going for shows that just aren't right for you. So knowing that you loved being a swing and dance captain, has that kind of helped you a little bit as well with 
your journey still in the arts? It, it definitely has, um, uh, it, without a shadow of a doubt, um, because on top of that, there's a smaller pool of people who are good at, but also more, moreover, actually, um, enjoy, because lots of people I know don't are really good at being a swing, but they just don't love it. Um, and so there's a, a smaller pot of people who have kind of dedicated their performing career to being a swing and being a dance captain, which just means there's more jobs as well, um, which has just been game changer. You know, if, if you are set on being a lead in a West End show, you can absolutely get there. There's just more people and less roles. Whereas for me, the reason why I had so many credits in a short space of time is that I had three consecutive jobs where they needed an emergency swing. And I had got myself a bit of a name at the time of being quite good at learning a show in a week and going on. So, <laughs> so you know, I would, I don't ever put my jobs down to my ability to kick my leg high um, or anything like that. They, they have all come to me and I'm very blessed that they have come to me purely because I've built up a reputation as a reliable um, company member and a reliable swing. Oh, I, I literally everything you're saying now, I'm like, yes, it's, it's your personal brand there. You were known for being that girl who could deal with stress and pressure of learning a show in the week, meeting a new cast, learning new material and go on and still deliver. And I think that's a testament to you. And I think anyone listening to know that try and almost take the label off of I am a singer. I am a dancer. And look at what skills you have, what you're good at and what you love. Yeah, I I literally I'm I'm about to deliver a talk on Monday that is actually just about that. Um and it's I really wish that we could start seeing ourselves in our personal lives as humans rather than the funny one, the organized one, the loyal one, the you know, unreliable one. You know, we we're, we're humans, we're multifaceted, we have lots of different traits, personalities, types and 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 skills and then in the arts that we stop labeling ourselves as dancer, singer, actor, and instead as artists or storytellers or creatives um, and give ourselves the opportunity to kind of step outside um, some of the boxes we've been given or have given ourselves. Gorgeous. So let's talk, obviously COVID has impacted the arts, but let's try and take ourselves out of COVID. What is a typical day or week like for you then kind of balancing these two businesses? So it could be whether you're in a show and because obviously you, this company was established before COVID. So it could be you're in a production whilst doing this during the day, or it could be you're actually auditioning in class, networking and then doing the business at night. Can you kind of talk us through a bit about what a week is or a day in the life of Raffaella is? Yeah. And so I will be completely transparent, but I think that it's um, a really important point is that the kind of exponential growth that Applause for Thought has seen in this last year is solely down to the fact that I have been able to dedicate 100% of my time to it. And I think the reason why that's important is that um, it's really important that we say to ourselves and that we, are, we allow ourselves and we build our confidence to believe that we can do multiple things. However, I think it's detrimental to our mental health to believe that we can give 100% to each of those things at any given time. So I would describe running a business or a charity or an organization alongside a performing career, alongside my rent paying job that I did at the time was um, a spinning plates kind of act. Uh, I would reach burnout if I tried to spin all the plates at the, at the same time. So what I would do is just be really 
um, strict and methodical with looking at what plate needed to be spun at any given time, which one was wobbly, which one needed my attention. So a lot of list making, a lot of chronological order, a lot of that will have to wait whilst I learn this audition piece. Um, but my life very much looked like I was working front of house at a kickboxing gym. So very early mornings, 4am wake ups to open the gym for 5.45, 6. Um, and then finish my shift around midday, hop to an audition and then go home to do some admin for applause for thought and then eat, sleep, repeat. So, um, yeah, that's that's what it can be like. But I would encourage anyone that um, to know that things have got to slip a little bit so that you can focus on the thing that you need to at that time. So prioritizing and scheduling, I think, would be my thoughts on that. No, I love that. And I think I love the transparency. So thank you for being so honest, because I quite often that they're, they're here. Oh, this is the triple award winning company. But again, as we are saying, it's people might see that spotlight at that time. But actually, the hustle's real. Like you've been working on that for a while and it is about sacrifice as well. And I think one of the good things that comes from getting older in our industry, because I, as 33 year old man, predominantly a dancer, that's like, oh, he's getting old, which I'm like, in the real world, it's not. But that by getting older, you know, you're worth what you'd love, what you want to do, what you don't want to do. And so for me, same as what you saying, prioritizing my business marketing for creatives, which developed into NLP coaching was the plate that I needed to spin at that time. Because also I was getting the most joy out of spinning that plate. And so like the performing, if the phone still rings and or an audition pops up that I really want, I'll go. But actually... By getting older, I've kind of realised my worth. And I think as a younger performer or fresh graduate, sometimes it's hard, isn't it, to kind of see your value because you're like, I've got to meet everyone. I've got to do everything. I've got to be seen at every audition. Mm, and I think that it's, it's all a balance because um, I'm going to be careful how I phrase this. Um, I, don't, I believe that everyone should know their worth from the get-go. I don't think that's something you should earn. I don't think that we should just get to an older age and suddenly know our worth. I think that knowing our worth is something that's very important and kind of links back to building self-esteem whilst we're training. However, I do believe there's a right of passage um, and an exploration actually of figuring out what you want and what you enjoy. When I first graduated, I went for every witch job, every single thing. Um, and I don't now, but I don't resent that I did back then because I actually took opportunities that ended up leading on to other opportunities and Sometimes we have to try things to know it's not for us. Um, and so I think that it is, it is an exploration for grads um, to kind of explore multiple avenues to figure out what they actually want to do. Just quickly stopping halfway through to give you a moment to pause and reflect on all of the amazing advice and information that Raffaella has already shared. I will make sure to pop her contact details and social media handles in the show notes. And if you're enjoying the episode, go and give her a follow and also head over to Apple Podcasts or your podcast streaming platform to leave your review. Now back on with the show. Yes, love that. And I think I can preach for opportunities. It's something might not tick the box once you're on it, but you might meet someone that tells you about the next audition or knows the next choreographer or director, or you might be on a job wanting to transition your career and that person knows someone in that field so yes to that love that so let's talk about you said um earlier on we said about like quote unquote success and there's success is what we make of it but can we talk about maybe success or rejection for you as a business because it's different as a performer you'll go to an audition and 
I guess immediate success would be getting to the next round or immediate rejection would be a cut. But as a business owner, we both know that's not always the case. And it could be you've sent an email that's got no reply. That could be rejection or it could be successes. You've got a new client or a new speaking opportunity. So do you mind talking a bit about maybe the business side and how success and rejection is still very much part of what you do? Mm -hmm. I think the biggest difference for me is that I, we start performing most people as a hobby and then all of a sudden it becomes a job where the success becomes the focal point it's booking the job that's then the aim so so the rejection hurts more because success is what I'm gunning for however with applause for thought because it was born completely out of passion and I've don't get paid to do it I it's I never feel that rejection as strongly because my end goal is not to um, isn't to succeed. My end goal is to try and bring about change. And so if an avenue is closed, I just try another door. Um, and if at any point the resentment of kind of big organizations shutting that door and not wanting to kind of progress with a mental health journey, so to speak, um, when I feel that resentment build up, I know that it's time for me to take a little step back. So I can't actually say that I have um, experienced a lot of kind of um, negative emotion with the rejection with applause for thought because it's just so born out of passion and joy. Um, but that probably is quite different. How have you, how have you found that? Um, oh God, tables have turned. I know, um, sorry. <laughs> no, I love it. No, I love it. I'm like, oh gosh. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I love what you've said there. And I think for what I do in the realm of like personal branding and marketing and stuff, it's, it's at first it took a while because again, as a performer, you would go in a room with say anything up to 50 other people, especially as a dancer. And then you don't realize what goes on behind the table, do you? What all the different cogs are. So if you don't get it, it could be like, oh, a bit of a gut punch, but you're like, oh, well. 48 other people didn't get it where working as a solo like a solopreneur I guess or your own business at first I will admit I took it a bit more personal if someone else got that journal job or if someone got that client because I'll be like because you can see it a lot more but for me that this made me work harder and also like if there was only ever one dance job in the whole of London it would just be the same dancer, one casting director, one photographer, one set designer. So the more people that do what we do means there's more traffic and footfall go into that. And I, as soon as I kind of realized that and thought, no, like that client wasn't for me or I wasn't the right fit for them. What can I learn to maybe be the right fit for them or what skills do I have? So yeah, at first I was, a, took it maybe a bit personal, but now six years into what I do, I'm like, Oh, and I give myself a dwell window, like a coping mechanism. So if it's mm -hmm. something I really wanted that didn't line up, I'm like, Jamie, you got three hours to feel not great. And then after that, you got to go. You spoke a lot about triggers. So let's talk about you. Um, do you kind of maybe have any coping mechanisms or any insight into um, what triggers are? Just because someone listening might not realize that they have a trigger that maybe makes them feel, um, make, gives them anxiety or makes them feel a bit inadequate. Mm -hmm. So I think that... Um, what I have, and this is, this is, you know, not necessarily uh, for everyone in the industry, but talking about my personal journey, is that I have an equal fear of success as I do of failure. So for me, I would get anxious if I was rejected, but I'd also get anxious if I booked the job. Um, and so for me, it was just this constant level 
of not being able to enjoy and be present. So if I was rejected, that would kind of trigger my self-esteem issues. And then if I got the job, I'd have imposter syndrome. So it just kind of seemed like I was in this hamster wheel of lose-lose. And it made me feel guilty for not appreciating the wins I had. It made me feel um, kind of embarrassed and ashamed when I did get rejections. And so for me, I mean, the work I did during therapy on my self-esteem issues really I found extremely helpful and kind of game game changing for me. Um, but I follow a little method that I've kind of created a little acronym for, which is SAT, um, which is how I deal with kind of triggers or a rejection. And that is uh, self-reflection, acceptance, and then talking. As you just perfectly put, um, what I didn't do was the kind of self-reflection and the acceptance of how I feel about that situation. I kind of went, I've been rejected. I'm fine. It's the industry. I've got to get used to it. Um, and you'd kind of brush it over. And that's fine for your first rejection. But what if you're on number 30? That's when people start to reach burnout and they start to kind of build up really negative feelings, resentment. Um, you know, they feel really uh, like insecure about themselves, etc. So kind of dealing with the rejections in the moment in real time is almost like a mini trauma I find very helpful. Self-reflect on how I feel, accept non-judgmentally how I feel. And then I'm ready to talk to my agent about it or my family members about it or the other people that are sat in Cafe Nero around the corner from Pineapple that have just been cut as well about it rather than just immediately kind of brushing it off. I absolutely love all of that. And that makes me kind of think of when we have like um, universal quantifiers when we're like, they said it'd be hard or they got cut or they didn't want me. Who is they? Why don't they want you? Like it's, again, it's that's took me a long time to realise that and think, okay, no, stop giving power to that situation. So I actually lo love that acronym. And for listeners, I'll put it um, in the show notes as well. So if you're scribbling for a piece of paper while you're on the tube, don't worry, it'll be in the show notes. Um, so let's talk a little bit then about maybe what has been your inspiration along the way. Has there been a, a book, a person, anything or anyone that's kind of inspired you, uh, maybe even both as a performer and also maybe as a mental health advocate and business owner? Mm -hmm. So I think the first thing um, with inspiration is that I, uh, I genuinely feel inspired by every single person on this planet. I have a, if I'd gone down an academic route, I would have loved to like study sociology or, or something like to, to people fascinate me. Everyone inspires me. I, I have a real want and need to learn everyone's story. Um, so that is a massive source of inspiration for me just daily and always has been. Um, but in terms of like mental health stuff, um, I mean, she's very famous and I'm sure you know her and lots of people know her, but Brené Brown, um, I'm really not massively with Amer the American peppy kind of um, coach style uh, chat. It just doesn't speak to me personally always but she just has this vulnerability and this messiness and this just intelligence and way of making me feel very heard and seen and inspired. I just, I learned so much from her podcasts and her uh, books and things. So she's a massive inspiration. And in terms of the arts, um, it's a choreographer and director that I'm lucky enough to call a friend. I've done three of his shows. Um, Drew McConey is, is, is one of my biggest inspiration in the arts. I think that he is just an incredibly um, 
inclusive, inspirational um, choreographer and director that creates really safe, welcoming and uplifting spaces in both his auditions and his shows. I think his work's really exciting. Um, and my soul has always been the happiest when I've been on one of his shows, um, which is which is cool. Amazing. Um, no, and I really enjoyed watching his journey grow as a choreographer as well, because I graduated 2007 and I think he graduated a couple of years above me from um, Artside or Tring. Um, but seeing his journey go from, because I knew of him when he was in Matthew Bourne's company, to seeing like how he's like grown has been amazing. Yeah, he has the most amazing quote, which I hope you won't mind me sharing on this podcast, but I use it all the time in talk, so I'm sorry, Drew. <laughs> um, but I interviewed him once for Applause for Thought and we spoke about rejection and he has the most amazing um, quote on it, which is he trusted that by the time he was 60, someone would trust him to choreograph and direct a show. And that's why he got it at 30. Just this notion of placing the end, the, the end game further away than tomorrow. And um, that's why I kind of really hit home about playing the long game um, is that he, he knew where he wanted to go, but he was just taking it step by step along the way. Um, I think that's really inspirational. What advice then would you give to a young Raffaella you maybe wish you had known? Or something that you've now just hit, hits home. So what would you have told a young Raffaella about the industry? What advice would you have given her? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that it's meant to be hard. I suffered a lot when I was younger of perfectionism complexes. I think it's something that a lot, a lot of artists suffer with. And this kind of um, needing to be successful all the time fear of fear of failing fear of looking stupid um fear of rejection but then also it not being enough when you do succeed um so i would say that it's meant to be hard you're meant to not get it right all the time you're allowed to make mistakes um and you're allowed to be messy um which is something that i don't think we celebrate um enough um especially in the social media generation but yeah that would be my advice to my younger self Oh, no, I absolutely I love like someone RuPaul's Drag Race, you know, when they get out the photo. <laughs> oh, yeah. like, what would you say to young Raffaella? <laughs> and you're there with like a massive scrunchie. In your <laughs> <or something. laughs> I love that. No, and I, again, thank you for being like so transparent and honest there. Because I think, yeah, we, we almost rose tinted glasses sometimes, isn't it? It's like, I will go to college. Again, not even as a performer. It could be, I'll go to uni. It's like, I will go here, get a degree or qualification or diploma I'll get the job I want when actually we know the on-stage part of our industry is actually only a, a small percentage. Tiny, like 10, 10%. And, you know, that's why I always say create your whole life, you know, make, create your whole life. And of course you have to be dedicated and make sacrifices and uh, work really hard to be in the arts, but it, it is just one part of you as a person. You are not defined by that. So create a whole life for yourself outside the arts as well. Um, and I think that we'll be happier and healthier. Completely. And people like people buy into people. And I think the more you have to offer makes you rich, not just in maybe jobs and work, but as rich in life and the rich in the connections you have. So yes, I feel like everyone needs a little Raffaello in their pocket now just to walk around with and be like, is this okay? <laughs> um, it would, I talk a lot. So that would be actually quite annoying, but. <laughs> <laughs> Your mantra for um, applause for thought is education equals prevention, which is 
again, it's so simple, but it's straight to it, cuts through it, which I love. Are there any other quotes or mantras then for you as a performer, as a entrepreneur, as a businesswoman, any other quotes or mantras that maybe helped you along the way or stay on the path? Yeah, so two really. I think um, one would be to check out Brené Brown's FFTs, which is effing first time. I'll say the the, the <laughs> non naughty version. Um, I won't explain too much about it, but just knowing that first times of anything is supposed to be scary and you're not going to perfect it. I always come back to that notion. And that's a mantra in my head that if I'm trying something for the first time, I'm probably not going to be good at it at first, whether that's going on a date, whether that's going to an audition, whether that's a new business idea. Um, so that's my first one. And the second one is interesting. I'll, I'll explain it. Um, it's they're not that bothered by you. They're just not that bothered by you. And that can sometimes make us feel and definitely triggers for me. Oh, no one cares about you or they're not looking at me. But as someone who was used to be and still suffers with it, sometimes very hyper aware of people's opinion of me, I get a bit socially anxious, you know, on the tube. I used to, in the height of my anxiety disorder, think that lots of people were looking at me the whole time. And so for me to just take a breath and go, they're just probably not bothered by you or they're not thinking those things, you're projecting those things, just allows me to kind of sit in my authentic self without the kind of feeling of being judged. So they would they would be my two two ones. Love that. I just did the weirdest silent clap to that because I was like, yes, but I, was like, I don't want to pick it up on the microphone. So that was probably very creepy to watch. I do apologize. <laughs> um, no, but I love that. And I think, again, we the, the person on the other end of that audition or that panel or that interview or the audience is never going to be as hard as the opponent we maybe build up in our head if that makes sense mm -hmm. and I just think I just love what you said there in that moment they're probably bothered because they want you for that job but actually as soon as you leave the room not to be mean they don't have time to dwell too much because they've got to get they've got to find that job so I absolutely love that and also we we get so into ourselves in the sense that we believe that we're the only people that have these thoughts which is why I'm so open and transparent about my own mental health to just let people know that you're you, you know you're not the only one that is having having these thoughts um and it's the exact same when we think that people are judging us so when I look at someone else and I think oh they look like they're judging me I probably I say to myself they probably think that I'm judging them and it just humanizes everyone straight away and I think that's a really powerful tool gorgeous love it um, I will let you go soon but going back to performing let's say COVID we've batted that away is there a dream show you would love to be involved in or a show to come back in any capacity is there like a, a performing itch um you've got still for a particular show or career development yeah so as it happened through absolutely no I didn't know this was going to happen, but after my year out, I came back and I actually haven't done a musical. I've, I've just done two, two plays. Um, and I don't know why that is, um, but I love it. And so for me to, to kind of develop doing more, more straight theater or uh, more physical theater is something that I'm really excited to explore. I hope that a monster calls comes back. We were cut short because of COVID um, and it was, a dream job for me so to revisit that show would be amazing but in terms of musicals I've never booked it and I don't know whether it's because we're not supposed to meet our idols and if I did the show it would ruin it for me but I am obsessed with Jesus Christ Superstar like obsessed so <laughs> to 
being involved in a production of Jesus Christ Superstar would be like incredible. But um, if it's not meant for me, then I will I will settle for being its biggest fan. Oh, no. And they will be lucky to have you either way. <laughs> Where can people find you online? So first of all, A, as you, as the beautiful human being that you are, and then B, as the company applause for thought, they might, someone listening might, might not have the confidence yet to reach out for the help they need, but they want to keep it on the radar or they just want to learn more about what you do. So can, where can we find you and where can we find Applause for Thought? Amazing. So you can find me um, on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> I'm not a massive technology or social media person from my personal account, um, but uh, at Raph Cavino um, is my um, handle. And then Applause for Thought is on Instagram at Applause for Thought and then Twitter at Applause Thought. So without the four. Um, yeah. And so if someone does want to book onto a um, either to get look for a um coach or mentor or um, consultant or if they want to sign up for one of their courses is there a best uh, method for contacts obviously we don't want to say you don't want to get loads of like dms now possibly if you prefer email so what's the best way if someone wants to book onto one of your services sure so i'm i'm pretty good whilst applause for thought is at the size it's at i'm pretty good at monitoring monitoring our dms um but the best way to kind of book onto a course and get more info just in general is to email us which is um applause for thought at outlook.com you reply to emails like no one's been. I'm like, how? Like, I wish I had that skill. One thing I've learned in business is that I need to get better. Even if I can't reply to that email straight away, just reply of an email to say, I've received your email. I will reply within 24 hours. But you're like, even it's not necessarily, it's not immediate. Obviously she has a life. But when you reply, like you're just so concise. It's within like 12 hours. I love that. Yeah, I mean, that is definitely, definitely because applause for thought is my full-time job at the minute. And some people... Um, catch me when I'm doing an email clear if that makes sense so for some people it's like within 30 seconds and they're like is this a real business if you can reply to me in <laughs> um yeah one thing that I am very good is implementing business hours so now at night time Monday to Friday and on the weekends I don't reply to dms or um emails which is good for mental health Yes, absolutely love that. No, I'm all, okay, I will let you go, but you keep saying so much wisdom. I think scheduling your time is so important and knowing when you are at your optimum. So if you're a morning person, work on yourself then and your business then, do everything else in the evening or vice versa for those night hours out there. You might want to like, you like to work up until 8 p.m. on a Friday or whatever. So yes, Raffaella, you are so wise. I can't thank Raffaella enough for coming on the show, shining her light and adding so much value. What a gorgeous human being. As I said, her contact details are in the show notes. So please quickly look at them, get her details and give her a follow. Look at what services and courses that they have on offer that might be able to help you or that you can recommend to someone else. And obviously keep your eye out for her on a stage or TV show. because I'm sure she'll be popping up as soon as the world is back to normal. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll be back next week with another interview actually with an expert so if you enjoyed the show please head over to apple Podcasts or your streaming platform and leave your review and i'll see you next week